Hello, and welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions, your real answers. My name is Matt King, here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. We're live in Columbia! We're in the Columbia room at the Carlton of Oak Park. You said in Columbia. Yeah, yeah. Tomato, tomorrow. Sure. <laughs> Joining us with hopefully a better grasp on geography is Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. Bonjour. Wrong in more ways than I have time to explain. I want to learn, Matt. <laughs> Teach me. That's just not true. <laughs> and with us also in Chicago live from the Pastor of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. All right, very special live episode. We are joined by a host team for the bridge from Christ Community Church at Oak Ridge, Tennessee, which is the point where they would clap and woo. Are you not excited to be here? Just, I mean, we're, we're early. Um, this is I, going to be like herding cats. I'd like to say, uh, I think uh, today's studio audience kind of sucks. <laughs> Uh, they're, a little <laughs> they're a little. Apparently, they only respond to negative criticism. They're kind of low. Well, you know, whatever. I really it takes. like the idea of an antagonistic audience yeah. Yeah. fight. Yes, back. yes, I, I like that. That's good. Yeah. You mean like the one we you like we get every week at the bridge? Yes. Be exactly better. Right. Exactly right. One time, Glenn was say, giving an example in a sermon at the bridge, and a guy in like not in the front, in like the middle of the room, goes, "I don't understand. Give another example." That's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. Like, uh, okay, I will give you another example. Yeah. And he was happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got the people here. Yeah. They've come right. to be the host team. Yes. We're excited. You want to yes. talk a little bit about the bridge and what they're going to do for the people who aren't here? Yeah. You know about the bridge. Um, yeah, and that reminds us. It does? I uh, hope it does because I was driving at something pretty hard there. Okay. You know, if we're depending on me here, this is going to be a real problem. I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. I think they're here because you're so popular. You know the emergency we talked about for an hour last night doing? (laughs) It's an emergency! I just wanted to see how upset I could get Matt. Now, here's the thing that you guys need to know. What it's the we, alternate title for this podcast. Um, normally, when we record this podcast, it's just us. Right. You know, the, 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 the uh, Uncle Glenn and Friends is how we're Uncle known. Glenn and Company? That's, what, that's company. what he wanted the show to be called. Let's yeah. be clear. Uncle, the, yeah, well, the, the, the internet wanted it to be called Uncle Glenn and Friends. And by the internet, I mean a person, One person. on the internet. And I had. And that person was you? Uh, we can never prove that. But we did have Jed mock up an 80s cartoon theme song for Uncle Glenn and Company. It's true. And it was fabulous. There's a magic mongoose. There's mysteries. They're riding yeah. around in a None van. None of this is a yeah. joke, by the way. This is what we yeah. talk about at 1 a.m. after the podcast. Yeah, I actually wrote that song. That's true. Yeah. That's, that's accurate. So what happened is. Uh, Thank you for donating money to Mission USA. Yeah, what happens is uh, people on the internets they hear about uh, what what's going down, right? And they get in the car from Tennessee and drive all the way to Chicago to see Uncle Glenn. And that's where the story goes off the rails. Sort of company, I think. I mean, okay. I mean, you guys are up in there too. Sure, sure. So uh, it's pretty exciting to have some of my fans here, <laughs> specifically for the show. So, 
And this is kind Pretty. of a meet and greet for you. Yeah. And it's kind of like GlenCon, where yeah, they all exactly they right. dress up as their favorite Uncle Glen characters. Yeah, yeah. They, well, they, they dress up as their favorite post on my blog. Okay. You know, <laughs> it's kind of a theme. Yeah, of, very abstract costume. Yes, exactly <laughs> right. Know. Yes. Yeah. I, well, there's some posts we, no one needs to dress up. Yeah. Well, Ministerial true, yeah. cosplay has been a, a bit of a hobby of mine for a long time. Has it? Yeah. Oh. I like to dress up. That's the worst combination of words I've ever heard. <laughs> I like to dress up about a post about being crushed by your sin. Uh-huh. That's what uh. I do. So I have like some foam bricks that I tape to my back and I kind of walk right. around hunched. Right. Nice. I like to dress up as Irresistible Grace. Oh, that's it, good. It's a lady's costume, you know, where you're really pretty. I like it. You're just totally irresistible. You know, some people don't look at the outside, Glenn. Some people aren't that shallow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the, the great thing about this uh, studio audience when we make jokes is they hold their laughter in. That is great. That's that is what great. you want in a studio audience is very polite and not laughing really loud so we can hear it in the mic. Well, Glenn, I think they're wanting for you to earn it. See, the reason, one of the reasons that Glenn wow. loves, wow. one of the reasons Glenn loves the studio audience is Glenn is a very funny person, yeah. but Jed and I are jaded by that yes. and do not give him the laughs he feels he deserves. Correct. Which leads to a lot of banging on tables and going, that was funnier. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Laugh now. That's funny. Yeah. It's true. So, yeah. 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 So let me let me just um, we're gonna go back to the deranged ranting from a minute ago. They came from Tennessee to Columbia. Already we got issues, but okay. Just to hang out with me, basically. It's really not accurate at all. Okay. You know how we have the bridge on Tuesday. Right. Right. You know every week we have a host team. Sure. Who come to do the bridge to host? Uh-huh, uh-huh. That started before you had the blog, before you right. were Uncle Glenn. Right. 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 Including yeah. this group of people who've been doing this for almost ten years at this point. Yeah. So they came to do that, and this is like an extra thing. Oh. <laughs> it's all right, man. We're going to get through this. I thought uh, something else. Well, while, while Glenn grieves, we'd just like to welcome you all to our country. And as our custom is here, we greet visitors by saying, Ciao. Welcome to Colombia. We're so glad to have you here. Ciao. You, you can say that with me. I know it doesn't roll off the tongue, but... Ciao. Let's try that one more time. Welcome to Columbia. Don't encourage Ciao. that. No, don't. See? This audience sucks. <laughs> so bad. So, they don't laugh at the joke, but Jed's clear intent to yes. confuse and cause international incidents, yeah. that they're on board with. That Ciao. is the cult-like magnetic personality of Jed Brewer That's to lead right. people into bad ideas. My friends, there's Kool-Aid in the back of the room. <laughs> Won't you have some with me? All right, we've done a lot of inappropriate things in this podcast. That's got to be our first mass suicide joke. Yeah. Referencing a story where hundreds of people took their own lives. Normally on a Christian podcast, you don't have many of those. Too soon. How many many countries have we offended at this point? All of them. All of them. Well, we 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 uh, we said some really bad things about Australia, yes, and New Zealand, right. oh yeah, Japan, yes. Germany, yes, Sweden, Sweden, definitely. Um, who else? A lot. We've a lot. we've offended the peoples of many many countries. Yeah. If point. any of you here have a country you'd like us to offend, you can shout it out. Sure, just we the least favorite that. country. The thing is, we've basically embraced the Philippines. Essentially, um, I am like royalty there. They love me. 
And uh, if you guys are nice, maybe I'll take you with me. You guys don't know this, but Glenn actually has been told that if he go, if he travels to the Philippines, that he will, uh, he he has a place to live, right? Food to eat, families to right. join. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a whole thing. A vacancy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In fact, Glenn regularly threatens to run away and join his real family. That's correct. Yeah. When when we displease yes. him, that's pretty yes. much where the conversation. You're not my goes. real dad. <laughs> a lot of that, you know. Again, so. not a thing that's not a thing that's a joke. No. Yeah. At staff dinner, yeah. these rolls are cold. I'm going to the Philippines. Where they appreciate exactly right. You. right. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so uh, I guess uh, I guess there isn't an emergency after all. Well, it sounds like there's an emergency in your heart, Glenn. There is an emergency. <laughs> all our emergencies heart. end up being emotional emergencies. Yes, they are. You know, I just feel like. There are some people here today in this room, and I don't want to say any names, all okay. of these people, but yeah. I just feel like there are some people in this room today that have hurt Glenn mm. that by not being appropriately worshipful mm. um, in their demeanor, by not laughing loud enough, yes. it's, they've, they've hurt you, Glenn. They have they've hurt, they've hurt you real bad. Yeah. And I guess what I wonder... I think you're doing Glenn's inner monologue. <laughs> I think that's what Glenn thinks most of the day. Yeah. What I, what I wonder here today, Glenn, is mm. do these people have what it takes to own up to what they've done yes. and apologize and seek forgiveness and reconciliation? Yeah. You want, you're, you're thinking of an intervention. That's what I'm thinking. Uh, where I could go around and tell each person in the room how their behavior has hurt me. That's exactly right, Glenn. That's exactly right. So sort of a reverse intervention, <laughs> actually. <laughs> I'm interventioning you! Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Do, yeah. do you have something that you'd like? I we, think that would bring healing. Well, we probably can't call them out individually because there's just not enough time. And also, it's a terrible idea. Yeah. But do you just have something collectively that you'd like to say to our audience today to let the healing process begin by yeah. airing your grievances? Yeah, I would just like to say. <sighs> that's good. Let it out. Let it out, bro. Uh, yeah, that's good. Look what you've done to him! Yeah. Look! Look what you've done! I hope you're all happy. <laughs> we are officially doing this podcast at the audience right now. Well, also what I love is I think they're just kind of horrified at this point. Wouldn't they're, you be? They're not enjoying any part of this. Some people are thinking... Lee has spent like months, so we're going to go to Chicago and meet the missionaries, and they're yeah. excited, and right. you're just berating them. Yeah, Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, it also should be said, it's about like, I'm going to say like 6 a.m. right now. Yeah, sure. It's the crack of dawn right now. It's the earliest I've ever been awake in my life. 1047. <laughs> 1047. You didn't even know there was a 10 a.m. Man. That's what you told me. That's so early. Okay. Yeah, the thing you got to understand about uh, the schedule we keep now, and I use we because it's been forced on me, is uh, what is wrap up about 3 a.m. normally? Yeah, yeah, usually that's when we punch the clock at the end of the day. <laughs> Leaving a Denny's with so many regrets. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah with a stomach full of grease and yeah. And on that note, I declare emergency off. Fantastic. All right. <sighs> Jed's still despondent. <laughs> Yes, there are bracelets in the back. The Woo! audience is demanding bracelets. Schwag. 
They think they can be heard on the mic by talking at half their normal voice. This audience really sucks, Matt. That audience member's a Bridgebox subscriber. Be nice. I think they're great. There you go. There you go. If you'd like Speaking to have, of that. If you'd like to have Glenn contain his rage at you, <laughs> missionusa.com slash bridgebox. Nice segue. $8 a month. It's good. I don't have the thing in front of me. We'll do it later. All right. That's that's keeping it professional, man. Yeah. Bridgebox wow. is my whole job. That's correct. For now. Yeah. <laughs> if you'd like to keep Matt King employed, missionusa.com slash bridgebox. If you'd like to have Matt's job, send your resume in to Mission USA, P.O. Box 316, Forest Park, Illinois. 6013. Really, the only requirement is being able to take this level of abuse yes. on a daily basis That's and keep correct. coming back for more. Yes. Most people would be in a ball crying on the floor. So, yeah. Sure. When they're, when they're out to preach on six minutes' notice and yeah. their boss, spiritual mentor, clasps them by the shoulder and says, yes. What I would do is not suck. Yeah. Well, I like to have that kind of inspirational <laughs> impact on people. Sure. Know? It's all about the inspiration. Totally. All right. We're going to jump into questions here. Normally what we do on the show is we do uh, three questions and we kind of pick them all apart. We've got uh, the folks in the studio audience. Glenn, just settle. I feel like there's going to be a Pavlovian reaction of an outburst of rage. The phrase studio audience. <laughs> uh, they have submitted some questions, so we're going to actually kind of lightning round these. Lightning round! Lightning round. I knew I was going to regret that. It's a lightning round. Oh. It's going to be lightning. Well, that's going to be yeah. the next 45 minutes of our lives. All right. So we're going to, the way we're going to do this, uh, we normally just have everybody answer every question. What we're going to do is um, read a question. We'll have one person kind of uh, take the lead on it. And then if anybody else has something they want to jump in with, or if you want to nap while the other people are answering, you know, whatever works for you, really. Lightning. Yes. I think Glenn wants to do like an uh, like an Emperor Palpatine thing where he just like strikes us all. I think he just down. wants yeah, a, a little... Jeopardy style buzzer. Yeah. Oh, I love. Uh, yeah. Lightning rounds. Yeah. Yeah. You can just make the noise. Yeah. Can I buzz in? Sure. You can make the noise. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Our first question <laughs> is for you, so you're correct. Yes. <laughs> now you gotta listen. You have to answer. I win in your face. I win lightning round. You sure do, buddy. You sure do. <laughs> All right. The first question, which will go to Glenn. This audience really is not. They're just. I think they're hating this. They're just like. Well, can uh, you blame them? This is just rude behavior. That's all they're <laughs> well, thinking right now. Oh, well, yeah, that's true. We're back among civilized people, Glenn. It doesn't happen often. Yeah, that's true. Okay. First question. <laughs> You're have Glenn start us off on this one. What is God's view on our physical appearance? Does he mind whether we bother to exercise or look our best or if we gain weight? Or does he just want us to be happy no matter how we look? What does he think of us striving to look or be better in certain ways? Pass. I really like No. no I really pass. like the idea of you start your quiet time and God goes, Man, you have really let yourself go. <laughs> yes. I mean, you're supposed to read the Bible, but maybe treadmill earlier. Yeah, in. Yeah. Lay out the cupcakes. Uh, yeah, when when uh, we get actually there's real advice in the show, we promise. Absolutely, we get a lot of questions about sort of body image stuff. A lot of people struggle with that, uh, and what we want to do is kind of cut that down the middle and look at 
uh, stuff that is health related so that you know in some cases uh, if you gain a certain amount of weight you're going to have uh, you know problems with uh, your health you can get you know sleep apnea you can get uh, you know all kinds of problems with your heart and all kinds of stuff so if if there's a health related issue then I think that can be positive it can be part of our walk to um, for some of us as uh, 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 as Jed often does he goes to the gym and you know you can uh, you know work out get some prayer time in while you're you know on the treadmill or whatever is sort of you're away from everything so it can be a, a positive thing and part of a healthy walk but there is that point where it sort of becomes about vanity and it becomes about looking at ourselves and the one of the reasons why we want to stay away from that is that there's always something imperfect that you can see. You, you never arrive at some sort of perfection of beauty or something. And so it becomes an obsessive thing, a feedback thing. Uh, so there, there, there comes a point where we look in the mirror and say, this is the way God made me. It's good. It's beautiful. Uh, anybody who really cares about me will care about what's on the inside and let's move on. So there, there has to be that point of conceding it. Absolutely. I think I'll jump here just real quick. I think one of the other things on that you talk about, um, it's a vanity thing. I think there's also a control aspect for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Like some people who, you know, don't eat and start working out for a while and get results and get a little, uh, maybe get some positive feedback and get caught in kind of a loop yes, on that. Yes. Almost yeah. have addictions, the wrong word that weren't going to start on, but a compulsive behavior. Off Absolutely that, right. Absolutely right. Yeah. So not healthy. Sure. Good. With that health thing too, it's, you know, at some point, you know, you do some things, you just feel better. Right, you right. Just, as you're saying, you sleep better, you work better, your mind works better, you think better, you just feel better. You get those endorphins going. Yeah. Yeah. That's what the Don't correct call. him, we don't have time. Very, there's very tiny dolphins in your bloodstream. No, that was not a good laugh. <laughs> this is not a good audience in any way at all. I'm, I'm waiting for one of us to crack a joke and the other one just go, ha! Ha ha! <laughs> That's an insight well into played. Jed's mind. Well played, sir. <laughs> That's the way Jed responds to criticism. <laughs> well, I mean, there's, there's a certain degree which, you know, you do certain things, you just feel better. But also, on the other side of that, you can have things. On the other side of that, you can have that, you know, where I'm, I'm you know, if I'm obsessed with working out, I'm obsessed the way, with the way that I look, that you have, that spiritually feels terrible. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Saying, there's certain things you just can't, you can't get it all the way there to where, like, now I'm satisfied because it doesn't, it doesn't satisfy. So, right. You know, it's, it's like you take it too far one way if you get, if you really, really let yourself go physically. Well, physically, you just don't feel good. If you try to, if you try to be, you know, perfect physically, well, that spiritually feels terrible. So it's like, you know, it's kind of the, one of those things where you want to keep it in moderation on both sides, I would say. No doubt. Yeah, sure. And I think uh, one last thing to the point of there's that there's no perfect thing. I think um, the physical stuff becomes a very quick channel for just self-esteem issues in general to all kind of manifest in one place. So that's, that's a, you know, it, it can be an indication of something bad if you're never satisfied with the results you're getting. All right, we'll move on to our next question here. Jed, don't buzz in. Lightning. Jed's going to start this one. Oh, okay. This one. Right. All right. As <laughs> you can still win the lightning round, oh, but right. Jed's going to answer first. Okay. Okay. As a <laughs> yes! yes. Wow. Yes. 
That pretty much makes the whole podcast venture worth it right there. That seemed a little sarcastic. <laughs> I, I, I think say. we just got heckled by Christy Younger. That is the greatest achievement of my life. Yeah. See, seemed a I little, can be happy now. That was a little rude. That's like just, just unprovoked. Yeah. Why, why would people behave that way? Yeah. What did you ever do? Right. Wow. Word. Uncool. All right. We've gotten through one question. I believe go. in us. Yay. All we right. Can do it. Jed. As a believer, I go through times when I feel close to God and times when I feel distant and kind of spiritually numb. As people in full-time ministry, do you experience that too? What are some strategies to employ during those dry spells? All right. Well, the truth is everybody experiences that. Everybody. There, yeah. There's no one that feels emotionally charged up and close to God all the time. That, that just doesn't exist. And part of the reason for that um, is that your mind and your body and your spirit are all interconnected. Uh, you can't divorce any one of those things entirely from the others. So what that means is, for example, if your body gets sick, it's going to affect how you feel spiritually. Now, nothing has changed in your spiritual life. You haven't drifted from God. He has not hidden his face from you. But you do have the flu, and that's going to make you feel crappy. In the same way, if, you, uh, if you're sad, you know, maybe, God forbid, grandma passes away or something, and you just feel sad and a sense of mourning, a sense of loss, that's going to affect how you feel spiritually. Now, again, nothing spiritual has happened. You know, God has not cast you from his presence into darkness. It's just you're sad, and that's, that's okay. That happens. So I think the first strategy, um, yes, you know, what strategy you employ, I think the first thing is to ask, is this a spiritual problem? One of the things that we see with a lot of the folks we work with online is an urge to make everything into a spiritual crisis, every problem in life. I lost my job. It must be a spiritual crisis. No, it probably has to do with the economy and the fact they're trying to cut costs and they thought maybe they could do things differently. You know, I feel overtired. must be a spiritual crisis. No, it probably has more to do with the fact that you haven't been sleeping good and it's really hot out and you need to get an air conditioning unit. Right. But I think Christians, I think we resist that. I think we, we like the idea of things, of everything kind of being spiritual, whether it really is or not. But I think one of the first things is allowing ourselves to react, uh, to react, to relax and just say, is it possible it's something with my body? Is it possible it's something with my emotional life? Can we, can we do something about that? And here's why that's really important is that spiritually, your reality actually never, ever changes. All right. God defines your spiritual reality. And the person who wrote this question said, as a believer, I go through these times. If you're a believer, uh, your position spiritually is fixed. And your position is that God loves you, that God accepts you, God has chosen you, God has paid for your sins, God has, to use a $10 theological word, has imputed his righteousness to you. You're set. You are a trust fund baby in every sense of that word. And it can't ever be taken away. So if something feels off... It's definitely not that something has fundamentally changed spiritually. It's here's if we can be honest for a second, what we're all afraid of is that there's a secret sin in our lives. I mean, Jed, I'm pretty sure the financial collapse, they say it's because of uh, the derivative bond market. I'm pretty sure it has something to do with my secret sin. That's your, right. Your unconfessed sin. A sin so secret, I don't even know what it is. Oh. Which is the best kind of secret sin? <laughs> yes. Now we're mocking it, but if you listen to Christians, they'll talk like that. I've heard I've heard more Christians than I can count where Grandma passed away three months ago, and they're sad, and they're trying to figure out what's my secret sin. What is it that I've done that God's hiding His face from me? 
I'm serious here. When the truth is, dude, you're sad. It's okay to be sad. It's all right to work through those emotions. You will come out the other side of it. That's the thing is that no emotional state is forever. That doesn't, that doesn't exist. That's not how emotions work. Uh, you will come out the other side of it. So I think the first strategy is to relax. The second strategy is to ask, is there something going on in my emotional life? Is there something going on in my physical life that I want to take a look at? Am I sick? Am I tired? Am I sad? Am I hungry? Whatever. And then the third is to get together with someone that's not inside your own head. So that's a pastor or a mentor or someone you trust. Say, here's what I'm up against. What's going on? And if you'll do all those three things, I think you'll get to the other side of that. Yeah, I think there's also a thing of it's possible to just become kind of spiritually bored. Sure. Like, you know, you've even if stuff's good, you know, you go to the same church, you're in the same small group, you do the same thing. It's possible to just get caught in a rut. It's sure. not, as you're saying, it's not necessarily a spiritual thing. That's more of, uh, you know, consistency is more of an emotional thing. But sometimes you just need to sit on the other side of the church or volunteer with something else and check no something up. All right, let's uh, kick to our last question here. I feel like I'm still winning. Yeah. And I'd also like to say, usually when we record the podcast, Jed and I have like a little, uh, it usually is a musical keyboard that's in between us. We're in the that's studio. That's the best kind of keyboard. You can't, I can't really see Jed's feet, but he's wearing flip-flops right now. Yeah. And his toes are disturbing me. <laughs> Is that not an off-air thought? He has a toes that are exactly like a monkey. <laughs> you could hang from a tree with these toes, and it's throwing me off. And I just wanted to. I think hey, you had Glenn, to. You had to get it. You had to say it and get it off. Your love chest. me, love my monkey toes. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do love your monkey toes. See, that's real love. That's right. Not that any of you would know anything about that. Right. You didn't have the decency to mention my monkey toes. It's this is what happens when Glenn and Jed are in public before noon. Yes. You have any other grievances you want to get out of the no, way right now? No, that's it. I, I, I just try and fire them off as they come. Sure. I've hung out with these guys after noon to get it's still the same stuff. Yeah, yeah. it's still pretty bad. Yeah. yeah, but we don't have mics on our hand. We're not trying to do something. <laughs> we already had the emergency part where we're goofy. You just... Thought in the middle of the advice, we'll go monkey toes. Sure. Yeah. Good. All right. Right. Moving on to our next question. Lord help me. All right. We're going to start with Lee on this one. It's like lightning. It is like lightning. All right. We're going to start with Lee on this question. How can I learn to truly forgive people who have hurt me in the past, and how can I ask others to forgive me? Um, one thing I think that is uh, that happens all the time with Christians is that we, we have a totally crazy idea of what forgiveness means. So the reason that we don't know how to forgive people in a godly way or in a way that has anything to do with what the Scripture says is because the stuff that we think about forgiveness has nothing to do with what God thinks about it. So, for instance, somebody, a lot of times people will, uh, you know, somebody does something to me that, that hurt me, and then, uh, you know, maybe it messes up our relationship. I finally get the nerve to kind of bring the thing up, and then they say, well, I'm sorry. And then, you know, and a lot of times what Christians will do is they'll say, oh, that's, it's no big deal. Don't worry mm -hmm, about it. It's, mm -hmm. it, it. It wasn't a big deal. Yeah. Well, okay, what, what actually happened right there is this person is trying to say that they're sorry and ask for forgiveness, but what you've done is minimized what they did. So now the person that was actually wrong was you. You were wrong for getting hurt. When the situation that happened was they said something stupid, they hurt you, they asked for forgiveness, what you ought to say in that situation is, Thanks. All right. Thanks for, for uh, saying you're sorry because it was hurtful. You know, I mean, right. sometimes when we, when we have relationships with people, 
they're gonna hurt our feelings. It's there. People are gonna they get in the way of each other. They they hurt us. They screw up. They say stupid stuff. I am like the reigning world champion of saying stupid, hurtful stuff. I mean, it just flies out of my face. And if and and when I go to somebody and say, I'm really sorry that I said that. The thing I need them to do is acknowledge the fact that it was wrong. Acknowledge the fact that it's wrong. I think one the first thing that we can do when we look at what forgiveness really looks like is saying, you know, the stuff that hurt me, it's okay for me to be hurt by it. Yeah. It really happened. It, it, it was really wrong. What that person did to me was really wrong, and they need they need forgiveness. What they did was what they did was bad. And I think that's the first thing is don't minimize anything. And if you have to have a conversation with somebody, have it. You know, have the conversation. Say what you did was wrong, and I want to. You know, we need to work it out. But it was it was wrong. It wasn't not a thing. And one thing that I think is key there is is understanding that if I forgive somebody, that doesn't mean that we are going to have a, an amazing best friend relationship for the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. If somebody does something to me that's truly truly heinous, we may be done in some ways. Sure. I mean. You know, if, if somebody steps over the line in a way that I, I don't want to enable them to do that to me anymore, you know, I can forgive them before the Lord, but we may not have the same kind of relationship anymore. Right. Right. And that's and that's a very I think that's a very important thing to understand. I think the where the place where forgiveness starts is if you need to forgive somebody, is to start with going to the Lord and talking to Him plainly about what that thing was, how it made you feel, how much it hurt. And being completely real and raw about that, totally. Don't hold any of it back. Don't say it didn't happen. Don't minimize it in any way. This happened. It hurt. Lord, I need you to. I need you to help me work through my emotions on this. But this was a painful, bad thing. And uh, if you need to confront somebody, to, to confront them about it, and don't minimize it, and then forgive them, move on if you can. As far as uh, the last piece was, how can I ask others to forgive me? Well, you do the thing that almost nobody does, which is you go straight up to somebody and say, hey, the thing that I did was wrong and stupid. Yeah. I'm not making any excuses. I'm not saying, but you know, I was tired. Or, but you know, the thing that you did really set me on edge. You know, if you don't do that thing, you say, what I did was wrong and stupid. I'm sorry that I did that. Um, And now I'm asking for, for your forgiveness. In other words, the state of our relationship going forward, it's based on your mercy. I'm asking you to give it to me. I'm asking you to give me mercy. What I did was wrong, and I'm sorry. I think that's that's the only way. And Christians ought to be pros. We ought to be professionals at asking forgiveness because we're a bunch of sinners, all of us. And we all of us stick our foot in our mouth, all of us do stupid stuff. We ought to be. It ought to be an easy thing to do. It ought to be a daily thing. It ought to be a, a, a normal part of communication. Hey, I'm sorry I did that thing. It was wrong, but yeah. I want you to forgive me. Right on. I'm in an almost constant state of apologizing for this podcast, just this oh. existence. Sure. I like the uh, the thing about, you know, not acknowledging something was wrong. It reminds me, one of my favorite stories, I'd only been working for you guys for like a month or so. I was giving a guy a ride after the bridge one night, and he was talking about his troubles with his lady friend, which apparently involved, at least in his mind, who knows if it's true, her calling in a hit on him. It led to one of my favorite single quotes, which was, I mean, she tried to have me killed, but she's still my world. Yeah. She's it's like maybe world. she shouldn't be your world anymore. Yeah. yeah, she shouldn't be your world. Once assassination gets involved, maybe we should find a new world. That's uh that's kind of a deal breaker. <laughs> you gotta know when to pull the old ripcord and say, uh, let's move on. It's Did- not you, it's the hired killer. <laughs> yeah. 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 
All right, we're gonna move on to our next question here. This is gonna go to Glenn. It's Yay! <laughs> it's so excitable. Yes. Lightning. <laughs> it is like lightning. All right. This question it's going says, so fast. It's really not. All right, this question says, God is doing some pretty cool things in my life right now, especially in some ministries I'm involved in. I feel like this person's already bragging. Yeah, it must be nice for you. When my friends who don't know Jesus ask about my week, that's what I want to talk about, but I also don't want to make them feel uncomfortable or to come off like I'm bragging. I probably shouldn't have said that hurtful thing earlier then. Okay. How do I balance being real with my friends and being sensitive to them? Yeah. And you know about sensitivity. Sure. That's what they call me, Mr. Sensitive. Uh, well, what's funny about this is, generally speaking, in my life, the people, the friends that I have and family I have that are not in the church are usually the most interested in what it is that I do. Uh, yeah, that's true. They're not interested necessarily in a spiritual sense, and some of the spiritual elements of it, they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't kind of have a sense of what I'm talking about. I mean, some of it's a little bit of inside baseball, you know. But um, they're, they love hearing the stories uh, of stuff that happens. And, you know, like you just told of, you know, you just, she tried to kill me, but uh, she's my world, y'all. Uh, you know, that's, it's, that story knows no religion. Who, yeah, no, who, who wouldn't want to hear that story, you know? Um, so, so, yeah, I think there's uh, to recognize there's at least elements of that that your friends want to, to be interested in. What's funny is uh, sometimes our Christian friends uh, get a little overwhelmed, a little... Super jealous? That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, you know, where you, you have a cool story to tell and they don't have a cool story to tell, so they're sort of saying, they're saying well, I guess I didn't do anything. I was going to tell about what happened in the cubicle at work, but you told your ghetto story now, you know, uh, you know, so, you know, it kind of, like there's a file on your computer called ghetto stories. Yeah, yeah. Ghetto the stories. Ghetto <laughs> I'm After offended dark. by everything about that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but ghetto is an offensive word. It, it is not an yes. accurate description of a neighborhood in which all the poor people are kept. That's right. It's offensive. <laughs> I know. That's Jed's offended voice. Uh, here's the thing about that. Uh, put a button on it by saying you have to know your tribe. You have to know your people. Sure. Uh, wherever you are in your walk, there are sort of people that get you, get what you're going through, know your struggles, know your stuff. If you're uh, a, a young uh, single gal and uh, everyone in your, all your flatmates have girlfriends and you have uh, boyfriends and you don't, then maybe find a friend that has a similar thing. I'm going to throw a flag on flatmates there. Flatmates. Uh, that was for our European listeners. Okay. <laughs> they're, they're apartment just, mates. Just checking in. Yeah. Roommates, yeah. as we might say. I'm international, <laughs> bro. He's messing with did, my did flow, Jed. Uncle Glenn riding around on his Vespa with his neck scarf. <laughs> Again, wrong country. I Jed thinks everything's Italy. <laughs> Ciao. <laughs> Jed's map is America and then just Italy and Italy, everything else. Italy. When, when Glenn said flatmates, I thought uh, I thought Cambridge Jed was going to make an appearance. All oh, yeah. Lord. Yeah. <laughs> Hello! <laughs> well, that's about enough of that. So... Uh, but yeah, you got to know your tribe. You got to know who are your people that you can uh, vent, you can unload to, you can they, they can identify with. And I think so. You, you know, uh, part of it is being able to share some of the deepest parts of what you're going through with people who identify. 
Absolutely. My tribe includes Glenn and Jed, and I'm rethinking that on an almost yeah, that's, middly basis at that this point. No, good at all. No. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There I think uh, another thing on this is um, it's easy to expect uh, your stories to bring everyone to your emotional level about them. Right. Sometimes, especially non-believers, we get this a lot, and I, maybe with our own family stuff. Sometimes you got to settle for they think it's neat. Right, sure, yeah. Tell us thing. It was life-changing, and it was amazing, and we saved the whole thing. That's neat, you know. You know. Yeah, okay. They didn't throw anything at me. Right, right, Maybe right. neat's all they can pull, so that's right, okay. Right, yeah. All right, we'll move on to our next question here. As we go to Jed, it says, I know God has made me righteous in his sight, but I still care a lot about what other people think of me and about pleasing them. How can I deal with that? Let's see. Well, of course you do. I mean, everybody. Let, let's be honest about this. Everybody cares what other people think. Everybody. If you truly did not care what anyone else thought and you had no interest in pleasing anyone else, you would be an enormous jerk. Oh, that's called sociopathy. Yeah, that's that's bad. And one of the things that happens in, in the church is that we forget, and this is something I thought of myself that no one ever suggested to me, is... Watch Glenn's face See, during this I, I have one person in this room who understands me. You complete me. <laughs> I like that anyone who understands Jed is immediately punished for it with extraordinary awkwardness. The opposite of a bad idea is another bad idea. And that's a, fl- a phrase from Glenn. Um, and that's something... Oh. We- I got credit. Woo! First time on the podcast. <laughs> nice. That's something y'all should hold on to. And let me break down what I mean by that. It is a bad idea to base your life on what other people think of you. And we're all clear on that. And church talks about that a lot, right? But if we take a bad idea and we go all the way in the opposite direction, that also will always be a bad idea, right? So, for example, you say it's a bad idea to run out into the street without looking. That's true. That is a bad idea. If you go all the way in the opposite direction and you say we must always have a full team of analysts and observers before I can ever step foot into a street, we got to have a person here and here, a camera system, make sure there's a map, we have traffic projections. We can't ever walk anywhere. We've lost the ability to be mobile. That, too, is a bad idea. So here's the thing here is, yeah, if you're making every decision in your life on the basis of what other people think about you. That's a terrible idea, and it doesn't work, and you won't be happy. But if you try to arrive at a place where the opinions of others mean nothing to you in any way, shape, or form, and you have no interest in pleasing anyone ever, you actually can't uh, do ministry. I mean, if you don't care what anyone thinks at all in any way, shape, or form, you have no ability to help anyone, it it turns out. What we really want to do is we want to have the right priorities, in our estimation of people's opinions. That's what really, really matters. And here's what that means. is that God's opinion is up here, and then the opinion of, you know, pastor or mentor is about here. The opinion, you know, of, uh, you know, our, our friends is about here, and the opinion of everybody else is down around here. That's, that's how that works. So if I have to put it to you this way, if I have to please— I like the, uh visual example you gave on the podcast do you you like that i was doing that for the benefit of our studio audience and and based on how appreciative they were i really feel like that was worth it sure i I feel like they they saw how much i gave to help them yeah and they're just giving it right back. i appreciate you guys making it easier for me to book future live shows by the way yeah yeah be berated by glenn and jed (laughs) yeah feel bad that's the key thing that's what i'm driving make me feel bad up to here So here's, here's what I'm saying is, if I have to please one person, Lord. I've never been more pleased with myself. 
It's a man who's been a professional missionary for 25 years. <laughs> okay. You got more? No. All right. If you got to please one person, you want to please God, right? If you got to please, if you're married, if you got to please one person after God, you should please your spouse. If you got to please one person after your spouse, it should probably be your boss so you can remain employed. And then there's everybody else, right? But I think we run into problems. We forget about the fact that there are priorities in life. There are priorities of who we have to please. Understand, um, if it comes down to a decision between keeping anyone in this room happy and keeping my wife happy, she wins. Always. Every time. If it comes down to a decision after Hallie's happy, who's my wife, for those listening on the internet, if it comes to a decision between keeping anyone in this room happy versus keeping Glenn happy, it's going to be Glenn every time. That's how that's going to work because that's, uh, that's the way life works is there's priorities. There's not a problem in me wanting to keep Glenn happy. It's a problem when I'm not sure who I'm trying to keep happy, and then I'm trying to keep everybody happy. Y'all feel me on that? Is that y'all, y'all tracking with me on that? I think we, we get in a bad rap. Here's, I'll say one more thing is um, going your own way, blazing your own trail is only called for when it's called for. See, one of the things that happens in uh, the Christian world is we talk so much about, we need to not care what anyone thinks. We need to just do our own thing. Is you start looking to pick fights when you don't need to, right? If you talk about, if you, if you tell someone they're a coward enough, they end up trying to prove they're brave in weird ways that they don't need to, right? Does that make sense? Talk back to me, y'all. I know it's an internet thing, but y'all with me? Y'all tracking? All right. So if you, if you talk about courage all the time, you tell people, I think you're all cowards, you're going to wind up with a certain number of people trying to prove they're not in weird ways. The same way if you say, I think you're all people pleasers. That's all you ever do. You're going to wind up with people that are trying to not be people pleasers in weird ways that don't really apply. They're picking a fight with the guy in the Eckerds for no reason. All right. What we want to actually is we want to know when it's time to take a stand and when it's not. And in order to do that, we have to have a good sense of priorities. Who we're trying to please and which decisions in our lives really, really matter, right? Does that make sense, y'all with me? All right. Excellent. We're going to move on to our next question here. This will go to Lee. It says, I'm a woman and I find myself getting my feelings hurt or feeling left out or unloved when I get together with my girlfriends. I don't want to be this way. I want to grow stronger in my security and God's love for me and so that I'm not constantly upset. Any advice? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I will say, I don't think this is just a, a woman thing. I think this is... Get right up in that mic, Lee. Capture the wisdom. There you go. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, I don't think it's just a woman thing. I think this is probably something that everybody deals with. Everybody, when hang out with their friend group and, you know, you're trying to read people and you, maybe you think they want to hang out without me or, you know, you, you see people, you know, people are hanging out without you and so you feel left out or whatever it is. I think to some degree, everybody either has dealt with this thing in their life or they are. And one thing that I, I've been thinking about this, and the, the, uh, the thing that strikes me on it is, what if you were going to write down, just kind of strategically, if you were going to write down exactly, this is exactly what I want. Like when I hang out with all my friends, this is how I want everybody to treat me. If you were going to put like your wish list down, I bet that what you would come up with is, I want everybody to treat me and to understand me and to get me at the level that my best friend does. Mm. That's what I want. I want everybody to be to, to treat me and understand my love language, understand my needs, understand the way that, that I want to be talked to. I want everybody to get me to the level that my best friend does. Yeah. Um, and that would be amazing. That would be awesome. If like everybody that you hung out understood you to that level, and I think that one of the reasons that I think to some degree everybody's experienced this is because 
That's it's not it, it won't ever happen. There there are going to be people with just different personalities. They're just not going to get you. They're not going to understand you. That's not going to work. There it, you know it's like people offend each other without even knowing about it. And if you explain to them this is what happened and this is the way I thought you were you know I, I thought you were thinking this, they would say I wasn't at all. Like I don't I, I'm so sorry that that I, I really didn't mean to offend you in that way. So here's what I I've been trying to think. Um, What's the solution to that? And I would say this. Um, have your best friend. Have your, like, best friend that gets you and understands you. And in those relationships where you have that close person, you should feel completely comfortable to communicate with them clearly, openly about, this is what I need from you. This is, what, this is who I am. And you get me to a certain level. I want to increase that all the time. I mean, if you're, you know, if you're, if you're married, you've got a boyfriend or a girlfriend, you should have those kinds of conversations. Hey, uh, listen, when it's my birthday, this is what I expect from you, period. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? And then, and then give them a chance to get that right, okay? But then don't expect everybody else in your life to, to do that well. What I would say is figure out who your BFs are. Figure out who your absolute best friends are or best friend. Have deepen that relationship. Take that one to the max. Figure out... This is who I am. Figure out who they are. Have the confrontation and the conversations to figure out what you want from them and communicate it clearly. And then ask the Lord to fill in those gaps, to treat you the same way. Tell him, I want you to treat me the same way. And then realize everybody else, I, I, I want to grow to a place where I don't, I'm not looking for that from them. I've got my best friends, and they get me. Or I've got my best friend, and, and he or she gets me. And I have the Lord, and he gets me. I, I was thinking about an unlikely verse that could apply in this situation. There's a place in Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. And I don't know that Jesus particularly meant that for this situation, but I think it could apply because righteousness, it just means like God and I, we're on, like, we're on the kind of relationship where there's nothing in between us and we're just like best friends. That's what righteousness means, that mm -hmm. I have the status of best friend with God. And what, God, what Jesus said is, if you hunger and thirst after that, you will be feel, filled. Mm -hmm. If you go to Jesus and you say, hey, this is what I want from you. I want you to, to fill me up with this kind of thing, emotionally, spiritually. I want you to treat me and get me in this way. I believe he will fill you up in that. I believe he will respond. I believe he will do that. And treat your best friend or your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend the same way. Expect a lot out of them. Expect them to get you. And then don't expect that same kind of, that same kind of level of understanding and that same kind of uh, matching personality and everything else from all the other people in your life. And I think if you, if, you, if you demand that those close relationships are getting it done all the way, I think that will really help on some of those ones that aren't as close. Mm -hmm. Sure. All right. right on. We're going to our next question here. This will go to Glenn. Yay. You win this question. Right says, every time I get involved in a ministry, after a while, people in that ministry pressure me to start teaching. I want to love and serve the least of these, but I don't feel like I'm any good at teaching. James 3.1 says not many of us should become teachers, but those people make it sound like everyone should teach. How is this supposed to work? Yeah, well, here's the thing. Uh, speaking as a guy who runs a ministry, there's a certain number of people that come up to you and say, 
I'd really like to get on the mic. I have a lot to say. <laughs> they always have that look in their eye, too. Yeah, and it's always a little bit of like, I don't think you should ever get on the mic, maybe, because, wow, that you just creeped me out. Glenn, the voices in my head have some really wise things to say. Yeah, you know, there, there's some people, and there's, there's a certain number of people who, you know, uh, probably everybody has this, you know, around the water cooler at work or whatever, that's sort of the instant expert, you know, that just knows everything, and, everything. And, and can't wait to tell you, I'll tell you what you do about the Middle East, and then just says something <laughs> that dumb that would never work and, you know, whatever. And then, you know what, if you want me to preach sometime, I'll tell the people all about it. Yeah, no, just no. Glenn's water cooler guy is real drunk. Yeah, yeah, for some reason. Well, He's hung over from Glenn's also, almost in these situations, almost always quoting things people have directly said to him. Yeah, those yeah. are not exaggerations <laughs> well, yeah, at all. Yeah. yeah. If you want me to sort all these people out tonight, I'll yeah. pop up there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the, the part of what happens then is you sort of meet somebody, you interact with somebody, and it's sort of a still waters runs deep kind of thing. You say, man, this guy's got a lot of insight. He's a real sharp guy. He gets it, what have you, and think, that guy'd be perfect for the microphone. So uh, in many ways, uh, people uh, get asked uh, to preach who aren't uh, you know, interested in preaching because there's a... Um, there's a sense of this person thinks before they speak, and that's a good quality to have in someone uh, on the microphone. I, I think uh, uh, Matt would tell you there was probably, I'm guessing, but there's probably no part of his brain that said, what day I'm going to be a fine preacher. You know, <laughs> um, My family to this day still says, so you stand in front of people and talk? Yeah. <laughs> like for a job? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but when when I met Matt and we interacted and and whatever, I said, "This guy's a preacher. He knows what he he knows what the thing is. He knows how to work this stuff out." And so I I you know just grabbed. You've of course since found out that was a horrible mistake. No, no, I I, I cuffed to Matt and I said, uh, "You preach now," <laughs> and. Uh, uh, put him on the mic, and, and I'll embarrass him by telling him he's one of the finest uh, preachers that, that that I know of, one of the finest preachers that we have at the bridge, and, and none of those guys are slouches. Uh, but part of that is because Matt doesn't covet the attention. He doesn't covet the, the uh, it, you know, here, I got things to say, and I wanna, yeah. you people are going to be blown away. You know, you know, there's none of that. So I shouldn't start my sermon that way tonight? Yeah, don't do that. Yeah. Uh, and and the, the, the last thing I'll, I'll say on that is if you don't want to preach, don't preach. And by, and, and, and by that I mean go ahead and get on the mic and tell people what the thing is, but don't preach. Sure. Uh, we, there's, we have an expression uh, when we were having a conversation with someone and they, the, it turns, uh, it sort of leaves the conversation and starts to become a sermon. And we, we call that getting your preaching muscle working. You know, you see this guy's, you know, uh, you know, suddenly I'm being preached at here all of a sudden, and that's kind of sort of a bad thing. Uh, when we get on uh, the microphone to kind of uh, minister to people, our goal is to make a conversation. Our goal is to feel like this is just an exchange that we're having. This is human being to human being. This is not the the wise all-knowing person what it's more like let's pop the hood and let's both stick our head underneath here and explore and look at this problem and see if we can't find some solutions and ask what the lord has to say about it so really uh we're trying not 
to preach. We're trying to share. We're trying to um, explore stuff, as I mentioned. We're trying to uh, have a conversation and work things out. But we're trying to avoid a lot of uh, uh, public speaking, preachery kind of stuff. So if, if you don't feel inclined towards that, uh, just get up and share the thing and, and make it be that. Sure. Right on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the things about that is um, that idea that not many people should teach. That's that's a good point, but not a lot of people get asked to teach. Right. If you that's actually right. have the ability to do one-on-one -on -one ministry, you have the ability to teach a thing. Yeah. And it's also one of those things of, uh, as Glenn pointed out very accurately, I understand the idea of feeling like you wouldn't be good at it, but you never actually know until you do the thing. Yeah. And yeah. If, somebody, if somebody you really respect is saying to you, you know, let's do this, the, and, and you don't feel like you've got what it takes, your next thing should be, teach me how to Yeah, do tell it. me how. Absolutely right. Well, that's an important distinction, too, and you guys being from Triple C, this doesn't happen, but people listening in the world who go to other churches, there are some churches that are just looking for warm bodies. Yeah. It's just, and this actually is one of the reasons that people um, think Glenn should invite them to be on the mic. There are some churches where if you show up a few weeks in a row, they'll just put you on the mic. Right, right as an ego thing so you, you should it's important to be aware of what people's motives are if they ask you if you want to teach and you say well what about me did you think and they say well you've been here a while that's not good all right we're yeah. gonna move on to our next question here is we had a jed it says how do you talk to someone about jesus when they don't seem to care or someone who has been brought up around church and is numb or indifferent to the idea well i don't i mean next question that's actually about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, look, dude, one of the things that happens, okay, um, I, we, and I think I'm speaking for all four of us here, and says, we're not ever trying to talk someone into anything, ever. I mean, mm. if, if you're not interested, rock on, you know? I mean, if, if, you're, if you're happy in your life, if you're satisfied with the way things are going, then I got nothing for you. I mean, you know, my, Jesus said, I've come to proclaim freedom to prisoners, you know, I've, I've come to, to give good news to people that are poor and hurting. And that's what we're doing. If you don't think you're a prisoner, if you don't think you're poor, if you don't think you're hurting, I have nothing for you. Um, and, and rock on. I mean, go live your life. Uh, you know, I mean, I think one of the things that happens. It's not going to work. No, it's not. And, and that's the other side of it is there's going to come a day in your life when you realize that you are a prisoner and you are poor and you are hurting. And I'll be ready to talk on that day. So, you know, here's my phone number. Put it in your phone. Let me know. We'll talk. We'll do lunch. You will cry. I will say smart things. And then, you know, we'll all move on in our lives. Um, but I think it's a very the, long business card you have. <laughs> <laughs> you got to unfold it. Uh, yeah. It's my business poster I like to hand out. <laughs> exactly right. But I think, you know, one of the things that happens, particularly for young Christians, man, we see this a lot, is target lock. You see a person in your life that you love and you care about and they don't know Jesus, you go, man, if they could just get saved, it'd be so great, it'd be so amazing. And it would be awesome, and they have zero interest in that. And we get questions all the time, how do I make my best friend who has no interest in Christianity become interested in Christianity? Yeah, the key word is make. Make. Yeah. I want to <laughs> talk them. a minute. They're looking for a spell of some kind. Exactly right, exactly right. Maybe who saw? <laughs> No, this is not the room for the Harry nothing, Potter rant. No, nothing for no. no. Nothing. These people are from Columbia. They don't get anything. Why did you bring I a Colombian uh, audience in from oh. Italy? To yeah, Matt. Uh, I apologize. It's all my fault. Keep answering, please. All the things that are in your wheelhouse. I, the least thing I expected you to do was to quote the very 
first Harry Potter movie. That's correct. No, you you don't want to hear the end of this rant. That's why I tried to cut him off. I I don't I know almost nothing about Harry Potter, so yeah. I was trying to seem cool. Move on. Please move on. Let us move on. So anyway, all right. Here's the thing. If you want to do ministry, if that's, and it's okay to not want to do that. I mean, you know, one of the things, there's a lot of Christians that feel like I have to go out and win souls. No, you don't. You know, if, if that's not something you're interested in, it's all right, man. But if you have a heart to do ministry, if you, if you want to help people get closer to the Lord, find people that are hurting. Find people that um, uh, feel like their life is falling apart. Go love them. There, there, there are people right now today in your life, I promise you, who are miserable and messed up and discouraged and wish more than anything that someone would step in and say, you want to talk about this? Can we, can we figure this out? Can we sort this out? I mean, they are praying to whatever God may be listening. Please let someone come and talk to me and help me sort some of this out. I promise you that's true in your life today. And the thing is, and I've done this, I'm pointing the finger at myself here. The time that we put into trying to talk the dude who's not interested into saying a, a sinner's prayer is time we're not putting in to that person over there who's hurting Amen. and who's ready right now today for a change in their life. Say that. So the way to do this is go find that person who's hurting. I promise you've got one in your life. I promise you, you do. If you're not sure who that person is, start asking the Lord to show you. Start asking God to reveal it to you and then just open your eyes. Start looking around. Look for the person who sits by themselves at lunch. Uh, look for the person who at the end of the business day and people are talking about what they're going to do this weekend never has anything going on. He's going to go home and drink and watch TV. If you start looking around, you start asking the Lord to give you eyes to see that, you'll find that person. If you start loving on that person, you'll see someone become interested in Jesus, I promise. That's an excellent point. One thing I'd throw on there is there are no difficulty points awarded when it comes yeah. to ministry. I think we all have this, a lot of people have this idea, and even like really good ministries that I support, they love that story of he wasn't even interested. Yeah. He was the most committed atheist. He talked about atheism all the time, and we got him. <laughs> Like, it's like hitting a 12-point buck. Like, you get more points for that. You know, it's all. Yeah, they're from Tennessee. I, that's a good reference. That worked. Yeah, that got that's right how you play. That's how you pander to the crowd, Glenn. I see. Uh, Walmart and Mountain Dew. That's offensive. <laughs> you, got, you got Jed on the Mountain Dew. Yeah. Hey. hey. All right, we're going to bring just this. going so poorly. <laughs> We're going to bl- bring this flaming train wreck into the station with one last question. This is going to go to Lee. It says, my brother's starting to be all about karma, and it makes me nervous because I know Jesus died for our sins. Can he believe in Jesus and karma? And in my brain, as you start talking, Radiohead's Karma Police is playing. Just, you know. We can't afford that. Keep yeah. it in your brain. It's just mm. Tom York will sue somebody. Yeah. Tom York understands me. <laughs> <laughs> Is, is is karma an, is that an exotic dancer? Is yes. That, you realize you said that out loud, right? <laughs> Just wanted to see what that sounded like out loud. Did it go as well out in reality as it did in your brain? She, not, uh, not really. You got you got horrified gasps. Yeah. Well, she, something. I, she performs at the Karma Chameleon Lounge. It's. Uh, yeah. 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 The look on, on Matt's face was priceless. Just, it was just a no. look that was communicated. Stop, please stop. No, stop that look was, I can't make that joke. <laughs> There's a joke. I'll tell you guys at lunch. Lee, answer the question, please. I believe in karma. <laughs> I've well, come here seeking karmic realignment. She's working her way through med school. Lee, answer. <laughs> wow, that was impressive. 
Yeah, yeah. I wasn't, and that wasn't the joke I'm ashamed of either. Okay. Um. I'm ashamed of all of us. Always. Please, I just want this show to be over. It's a good show. Okay. Yeah. The audience hated it. <laughs> I, I'm with them. Please, Lee, Karma, answer. Uh, here's the thing: is uh, uh, th- this idea that that people get what they deserve, they get what's coming to them, and if you live a good life, then it'll come back on you, and, and uh, then you'll have you'll, you'll be successful, and you'll have great relationships and stuff like that. Uh, that would be amazing. That would just be awesome, because then you could just live a, a, a nice, sweet life, and you could be kind, and then everything would go your way. When you look at the actual world, you know, when you look at the people who have it all and have all the success and all the money and all the and their life is easy and that kind of stuff. I mean, some of these people are the the greatest crooks in the history of the world. It, it, this just doesn't make any sense. I mean, the people that are at the bottom of life, some of the people who have it the absolute worst, don't have food, don't know when the next food is coming. They don't. Their children, you know, they've they've watched their children die. They're they've got they've got sickness and pain and, and distress. Some of these people, they've never done anything to deserve that. That's never been, uh, they didn't ask for it, they didn't earn it, they didn't, anything. In short, this would be lovely. It's just that in order to believe it's true, you have to not open your eyes at the world in any way. It, it, any, any second glance at the world that we live in would shatter the idea of karma with, I mean, just full of bullet holes. There's just no way it can stay. The fact is that you know everybody's a mess, and God looked down, saw us in in a, in a state of distress, in a state of that we couldn't get ourselves out of, and 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 uh, became a human being, lived a perfect, sinless life to pay for us. And here's the thing: the one who lived a perfect, sinless life lived in abject poverty, mm-hmm. uh, was uh, was uh, was hated by his countrymen, was uh, was betrayed by his friends. Was uh, was taken advantage of, was was beaten and tortured and mocked. I mean, you know, just the life of the Son of God uh, alone would show that karma is ridiculous. But He went through all that to give us stuff that we could never earn, we could never, you know. It's the, the gospel story. Karma would be lovely. It, it would be a it would be a cute and adorable thing. When you look at the world, it doesn't exist. Grace is a hundred million times cooler. Yeah. yeah, it's a hundred million times cooler because not only does it exist in reality, and not only does it give us an accurate picture of the world that is, but it for guys like me who, if karma was real, would be hosed. Yeah. Okay, let's just be honest. I mean, it, you know, the stuff that I've done, the stuff that I've thought, the kind of man that I've been in my life, and the kind of man that I would be without the grace of God. I mean. If karma was real, I would be hosed. I'm. I want grace. Yeah. I want grace all day long, twice on Sunday. Say that. I mean, if if the deal is that I've been a monster and would be without God, it just walking me like a little toddler through my life. If if that's and and then I get to have righteousness and forgiveness, and I get to go to heaven forever, and I get to have a life filled with opportunities and friends and love and and just unbelievable stuff if i get to have all that as an absolute free gift i mean sign me up every day all day long uh, what i would say here is you're saying my brother's starting to be all about that and i don't know what to do about that i don't either but what i would do is i would um i would celebrate grace in your own life 
I, I would talk about that whenever you get the opportunity in a natural way and stuff like that. And I would pray for your brother. But I would be, uh, you heard Jed talk about this earlier, I would be looking for that opportunity to kind of set the ministry time bomb. In, in other words, hey, when, when, you, when that adorable picture of the world uh, where, you know, what, you know, you get what's coming to you and if you're just a good person, then, then everything will work out. When that completely blows up in your face, I, I've got a great story to tell you. Uh, it's, it's the story of grace, and it's, it's going to knock your socks off. So, um, you know, just when you're ready, I, I'm ready to tell you that. Um, I would, you know, I would, I, I would think about it like that. When, when they're good and ready, you're there to, to, to talk about that. Because it's, the, the fact is, karma would be lovely, but grace is a better story. So someone does a lot of horrible, misguided things, and then it ends with grace. I think that pretty much sums up what happened here this morning on this show. Yeah. I think we're all ashamed of and terrified by what happened here, but we appreciate, appreciate oh, you yeah. listening. If oh, you made yeah. it all the way through, yeah. call in. Tell us why. <laughs> sure. <laughs> all right. So if you... Uh, I feel like a nap right now. Yeah. Okay. Th- we're very excited. We're going to get moving because these guys have got to get to the bridge tonight. If you're out there listening in Ooh. Internet land and would like to... Uh, Get the bridge experience yourself. August 5th, we're launching the Bridge Podcast. Yay! Which will feature a lot of content from Bridgebox, but not all of it. You can still get lots of cool songs, sermons, Bible studies, videos where Glenn hits me in the head with things, lots of fun stuff. Only $8 a month. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. Thanks for listening. If you have questions, say that podcast at gmail.com. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. Come on. Come on.